Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what is up, everybody? I have my esteemed colleague and fan favorite, Ryan Muckenhern, to my right. Ryan. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And we have special guest, Brady Miller from Go Hunt, Hunter Extraordinaire. I think that's I think that's your official title, right? I, I I like that. I'm going to talk to them when I get back about that title because we could just switch that. We'll go to that. I'll yep, uh, yep. I'll put it in the suggestion box. Okay. I want that little name tag too. That goes <laughs> on my desk. Awesome. Here's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to lay out the framework here, and then we'll we'll just kind of take it step by step. But I think uh, Brady, we're going to talk about you. So hopefully you're comfortable talking about yourself. Uh, your migration west. How you ended up at Go Hunt. What is Go Hunt and, and all the cool things that you guys offer uh, with the platforms, the content that you make, uh, the insider tool, uh, which is you know absolutely amazing, and the gear shop, right? So love me some gear. Uh, all all those things kind of interconnected, particularly with the with the content side and the gear shop, will lead into a new Vortex release. So part of this podcast is we're kind of, we're announcing a new product here at Vortex. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can probably at least get an inkling of what it might be. And it's ex- it's an extension of one of our lines that Brady has a lot of experience with. I've been using it for a long time, since January. All, all my winter hunts, all my spring bear hunts, a bunch of scouting stuff now. We're going to have a lot of... Uh, anecdotal evidence here just yep. uh, chatting about this new piece so super excited about that so well Brady I guess before we get too deep uh, here let's uh, let you know introduce yourself a little bit further what you have going on what you do at go hunt and stuff like that yeah a little history lesson so yeah Brady Miller I've been at go hunt since uh, before the company even started which is really weird to think about uh, I think I'm right now like employee two at go hunt so I'm like I'm like an OG at go hunt yeah so. you've been there a while yeah, so yeah, I'm originally from Minnesota and just like that's what's cool coming back here right now. Like you guys are in Wisconsin. I had cheese curds last night. Oh. I've missed cheese curds so much. They're amazing. Is it enough to bring you back? Yeah, yeah. It brought me full circle. Like that's you know, I wanted to come hang out with you guys, but I really wanted the cheese curds. Yeah. So that was great last night being a Midwest guy. So Thanks yeah. for sticking around for the rest of the stuff, you know. You kinda you got the cheese curds on the front end there. So appreciate Yeah, I got you. spoiled right away because it's turned around last, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Minnesota, but like I always just wanted to be out west because like my dad used to, you know, travel west all the time, go hunting, go mule deer hunting, go elk hunting, antelope hunting. Kept bringing back all these awesome animals. And I was like, man, like we don't get that in Minnesota, you know, like we don't have areas you can go glass, you can do things. Like everything's private land. I was like, I just like that adventure side of it. So like once I got the first chance to like start applying for colleges, I was like my parents knew, like I applied for University of Montana University or Montana State in Bozeman. And then University of Minnesota started going out there, look at the colleges. They knew like, yeah, I wanted to do fisheries biology because I just wanted to be out in the field. I didn't want to do like big game stuff because I didn't want to work in the fall. I wanted to be able to work in the summer and then be able to take up time to go hunting. And then once I went out to Montana to look at those colleges, they instantly knew like, yeah, Brady's not going to look at the uh, college of Minnesota at all. He's going to be in Montana. <laughs> like he's, he found his home. So yeah, just moved out there and just like started like cutting my teeth in uh, hunting stuff and just or like Western hunting style and like just you know, saw my first mule deer and was just like, gosh, like these animals are amazing. Like everything about them is just cool. Like it's like sheep hunting, but like do it yourself, like style. Like I actually get up in the alpine. I can see cool stuff. I can do 
cool things. And so like I started loving mule deer, started doing all that crazy things. And then I started getting into like photography because like, you know, I'm out West, my family, every, all my friends are back in Minnesota. So like I wanted to like showcase my adventures with them. And I was like, well, I can talk to them on the phone. There was no like social media really back then, for the most part. So like I'm gonna start like taking a bunch of photos, you know, like emailing photos and then like Facebook and Instagram started picking up. So I like started dropping more photos there. I always wanted to like, you know, work in the hunting industry, but I didn't know how to, like no one really does. And so I was like, I'm just going to start like pitching articles to people, like just randomly sending article ideas to different companies. And so I started freelance working, like making nothing, staying up super late at night, trying to like gather all the stuff. And like, I just knew like, Hey, I love photos. I love writing. And since I had a science background kind of worked out and then being able to be in the field as like a fisheries biologist, I was always hiking in good shape, going to cool places, taking photos. And then it's lending to, uh, eventually winning like a photo contest with Kuyu. Oh, cool. And so I uh, won a photo contest for a uh, hunt in Mexico. So I was kind of like a, a big like in just because of the photo side of it. And then, you know, met Jason Harrison, did all that stuff. And then like Lorenzo, who owns Go Hunt, was good friends with Jason. They started talking like Jason could ask me, hey, you ever think about going to the, working in the hunting industry? I was like, yeah, I definitely want to, you know, but how can I get into it? He's like, well, you know, if we ever hear anything, we'll let you know. And then a couple months passed. And uh, I guess Renzo was talking to him. Renzo just randomly shoot me, shot me a DM on Instagram. Like, that's the power of social media. Like, it's social media, so wild. There's a lot of like, bad things about social media, but it's also a lot of like, crazy, fun things. Like, you never know what you're going to run into or who you're going to talk to. And I had no clue who Renzo was. He's like, hey, we got this really cool thing we're working on starting. Like, I can't tell you what it is yet, but you know, if you want to like, you know, shoot us a resume, we'll look at it and then talk. And then all of a sudden, I was on the ski hill skiing. I got, I got a call from Lorenzo, like, hey, we want to interview right now. I'm like, I'm skiing. I'm like, let me just pull up in the lodge real quick. So I did like my interview at the ski lodge in Whitefish in Montana. And they're like, yeah, we're like everything you do. You know, we like your photography, like everything. Like we're starting this cool thing. We want you to kind of like run our content. I'm like, all right. They flew me down to Vegas. I'd never been to Las Vegas before. Never would ever think I would go to Las Vegas. Here I am like living in Montana, like small town kid. Like where am I going? I was like, okay, Las Vegas, let's try it out. Flew down there. They started telling me about everything about like what Go Hunt was going to be because obviously the company hadn't started yet. And they're like, "Yeah, we got this thing. You know, it's, we're thinking about calling it Insider. We're thinking it's going to just be like you know how you like dive into regulations books and everything's super confusing. You can't find anything. We're going to make it attainable. We're going to showcase all the over-the-counter units, all the easy-to-draw units, and also all like the limited entry, hard stuff to draw. Like we want to showcase everything because like." When you get down to it, there's so much opportunity across the West, and it's like, how do you navigate? How do you find this information? Back in the day, it was really hard, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, I want to be a part of that. And now here I am, like eight years later, like still, still doing all the content stuff at Go Hunt. So I guess my official title there, but I like your title better, <laughs> is a digital content manager. So basically, I manage all of our writers, manage all of our photography, uh, dabble in some of the video stuff, like being on camera and things like that. But mm-hmm. you know, also doing a lot of testing on the Insider platform, like testing new stuff for our draws features, testing new stuff for maps that we've been building in the last three years, and then also you know playing around with gear and geeking out and trying to write as much as I can because I love writing. Writing is probably like my favorite thing in the world. It's mm-hmm. like I love if I can like write an article and someone gets like one little piece of information from it that helps them like i feel like that's a win to me oh yeah and so it's like i just love giving back like maybe my information is not like the best but as long as you know someone gains something or gains like a confidence to go do something that's a win to me and that's all i try to do with all like my other writers i manage and just like make go hunt like the place to go to like obviously have good research stuff but i want to be able to like entertain people 
and then just educate them and help them get in the field, help them be more successful, help them learn glassing techniques or help them learn gear, or how to use it, how to, back, how to, you know, pack a backpack and just take all my like failures in life from hunting. And yep. it's like, Hey, I did this for it didn't work. This is what I would suggest you guys could do to you know make life a little easier while hunting. So that's the whole getting to go hunt and my crazy little adventures along the way. And just never thought I'd be in the position I am. It's like, it's like anything. It's got to, you know, try crazy things and work hard and, now here I am just having a blast doing it. Like cannot imagine like doing this back in the day. Like it's pretty crazy to think about. No, man. Yeah. It's, it's like just hearing that, hearing your story and that path. Like it's just wild to think about like how those dots connected, lined up. And, uh, that's pretty awesome. I remember the first time like I became aware of go hunt and like a lot of things like to me, like from the outside and it's like, dude, those guys came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. but obviously like, I mean, you're, you're talking to these guys before it's even, I mean, there's so much pre-work that's yeah, going we, into that. We, right? were, we were like working on our insider platform for so long before we released it. Cause we released just as like a content website. Right. At first it was just, just written content, like articles. People were like, okay, what are you guys like a online magazine? We're like, yeah, there's like an online magazine for right now. But we had like all the stuff we're working on. Yep. Like wait till you see what we got coming out. It's going to hopefully change the game. And you know, we definitely think it has now, like the amount of stuff we can do to showcase. Like I said, there's just, you, I always, always think like hunting the West, it, you know, it takes 15 some years. Like you gotta have a million points to do it. You gotta, you know, maybe just go with an outfitter all the time. Like it was, some of it was kind of unknown. Now it's like, well, you can have tags in your pocket all the time. You can have too many tags in your pocket out West. Cause like we have cow elk opportunities. There's doe antelope opportunities. There's opportunities for easy to draw like deer tags, easy to draw elk tags. Like showcase that information to people because it just breaks the barriers down to help them be more successful. Like you seem to break that learning curve and know you can actually go do that stuff. And then once you go do it, you learn those experiences along the way and become more successful. And it's just like super cool to give back to everyone through insider. For sure. I mean, to me, like the, the biggest, I think catalyst for people being able to like explore and take advantage of all the opportunities that are out there. Like you said, like before, like you couldn't even like, there was really not that great of ways to even find out about stuff, but digital mapping software, which you guys are in now. Yep. And then having this, this tag information at your feet, at your, at your fingertips, mm-hmm. you know? And, and now, I mean, it really is. It's like, if I want to go do some tag research, it's in my pocket yep. right now. We're, so. all, we're all about saving time. Like time's always the hardest thing to manage, especially like you think like, Oh yeah, you know, December through June, that's application season. But really, it's like you could be researching all year now. You don't have to wait for regulations to come up from the state. You can look at old data in an easy to digest format. And we could prepare, you know, all year round for your hunts and just like makes it a little bit easier to cut that learning curve down. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you can jump on there in two seconds, find a hunt. Like pretty much, I think, five clicks. You can like <laughs> find a new opportunity. Like you never knew, even for your own home state, just like trying to figure out, okay, I hunt here, but is there a little better spot maybe in my home state to hunt? And it's like, it's really cool to like dive into the data and geek out. I always describe it as like a choose your own ending type book where you can like dive into it, adjust different things to like kick out the results you want and then change those results again. Or mm-hmm. It's like super cool to play with. There's your next article, five clicks to your next hunt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're never going to believe step number five. Uh, <laughs> I love those titles. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, so we're, we're kind of getting into it. So like, you know, you talked about the content side, but maybe let's let's like dive in to go hunt. Like you said, like I remember those early go hunt films. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I saw your booth at the Conservation Expo. Oh yeah, and it was like you know because like there's definitely some bigger booths and some smaller booths at the expo, and and uh, then all of a sudden like there was like this like mega complex with 
digital screens everywhere. It looks, looks and, like you're walking to like an Apple store. Yeah, <laughs> it, it did. I was like, okay, this got serious real quick. But, yeah, what, is, uh, what is technology and hunting? What do they have to do with each other? No, it's just like oil and water. So yeah, let's go. Let's let's go into the many facets of of go hunt then, and then really probably try and dive into that insider tool like where you were like talking about adjusting, but like, mm-hmm. how does even person do that? You know, that may not be you know familiar with go hunt. Yep. Yep. So we have, uh, we have two different sides of go hunt. We have like, what's called like probably just our free side where we do a bunch of like skills content where, you know, we write how to, you know, do things, how to glass, how to backpack, that sort of stuff. And then the insider side, that's our paid subscription model. So you have to pay for it. It's good for 365 days a year when you sign up for it. And that includes every single insider tool that we have. And every time we add new tools, it's all bundled up into the same little package. So we cover, I think it's like 13 Western states right now, even like Alaska. And so uh, basically you can just like take a state and I'll just dive into like filtering 2.0. So we have filtering 2.0, which is a bunch of filters, how to find a hunt, finding a hunting opportunity. And then we have our standalone draw odds calculator. These kind of intermingle as well and play along with each other, but we have filtering 2.0, we have draw odds, and now we have our, our go hunt maps. And we have that on the web, which is 3D. And then we have our mobile app too. So there's like basically three different things to Insider. But filtering 2.0 is really cool because you could take a state like, you know, I always hate picking on like Colorado, but it's a really easy example. But you can like, like I want to hunt Colorado. Like I want to go on an elk hunt. Never been there before. I want to know everything I want to know about Colorado just to break those barriers down. So I want to hunt elk. I want to archery elk. I want to go the over-counter hunt. So you can take those filters right now and say, you can click on Colorado and I'll show you the map of Colorado. And I can click on elk. Now it's going to show me all the elk units in Colorado, which might be like, oh my gosh, it's the whole entire state. Like it's very confusing right away, but how do I break it down further? Well, now we're going to go by and do it like filter based on the season level. So I want to say over the counter archery. So now it's going to showcase and eliminate. This was like the choose your own ending thing. It's like, so we show the whole map of Colorado. Now this might say like all the Western Colorado, that's going to be your over the counter elk opportunity. So now you might show like from a hundred some units now, maybe down to like 50 units, for example. So like, okay, now you're starting to narrow things down a little bit. And then from there you have filters of like harvest success, public land percentage, you know, just things that are going to narrow it down a little bit further. And you could even do like trophy potential. Like if you're a person who like, you know, I want a, a chance at a 300 inch bull, obviously it could be subjective because like any unit in Colorado could throw out a big bull or it could be a smaller bull, but it's kind of gives you good information based on like, you know, record book stuff, talking to outfitters, talking to people who we know, like there's trophy areas in the States and then there's, you know, just average areas, but they're all still fun to hunt. So you don't even have to touch that filter. You can just say like, I want to go into an area that's going to have the most elk which then you have on there too, they have like bull-cow ratios. So you can look at, I can sort by bull-cow ratio. So I now have Colorado, archery, elk over the counter, and maybe I slide that harvest success to like 15 or 20%. So I'm starting to narrow down those units now that have potential to produce 15% harvest success or better. And then I can now like sort by like bull-cow ratios. Now I can say, well, here's a high bull-cow ratio with high harvest success, great public land percentage, because maybe I slid that public land percentage to like 60%, because I want you know, a ton of public land. I want a bunch of different A, plan B, plan C options. So it gives me a great, like now I might have like 10 units to look at. So you're narrowing it down further and further and further based on these filters and to show you that opportunity. And then from there, you can click on a unit and it jumps into what we call a unit profile. It's basically like a, a snapshot or synopsis of the exact unit. Like what's the elevation? Like what's the terrain? What are the season dates? And then like showcase harvest success, bull cow ratio. Maybe it's like percent six point or better bulls. So you have a bunch of data down there. And then you can get a good idea of what you're going to experience in that unit. We have terrain photos in that unit. 
And then down below, if it is a draw unit too, it'll have like draw, draw odds information at every point level and also have harvest success graphs with like tag allocation. So I can be like, well, I really like this unit, but I noticed that the hunters surveyed, they surveyed a thousand some people in that unit. It's a lot of people in one unit, but the unit next door actually has the same harvest success, same bull cow ratio, everything, but maybe there's like 200 people that hunt it. I might lean towards that other one and just knowing that data right there and it's all easy in front of you. Now I found like maybe a little hidden gem and now I can start diving in and then I can switch over to go on maps. I can then turn on the unit boundaries. I can start diving in. I can start dropping waypoints, start doing a little bit of e-scouting. And this whole process, you can do the whole e-scouting thing while you're trying to research for a tag. And then it all like just comes full circle. You can research during the winter. Now you can e-scout in the summer. They got all that data on the field with the Go Hunt mobile app now. And so like our product just works all year round now. And that's why the mapping part that we released recently ties into all that and just makes like filtering 2.0 that much more powerful. Because now all that data you look at, you can start dropping waypoints as you're going through, dropping notes, like figuring out like dream tags. Like, oh, this is a unit that I could draw in two years. I'm going to start kind of researching it right now, but I'll focus on my over-the-counter stuff for a little bit. And just like so many things you can do. And if you're a guy who has points, you could say, well, I have, you know, I'm looking at Colorado. I have four mule deer points. Like I want to hunt this year because I knew the third season dates are going to be phenomenal. Like I'm going to start looking at those units and you can adjust the filter. Like I have, I want, show me all the units I could draw 100%. Obviously, it could change because you could have guys who have higher point levels and do the whole point creep thing. They could jump in on top of it, but like you can start to play around with the data again and start figuring out and plan out your hunt. Like I can know right now what my hunts are for next year already because I know what my points are. Then I can start looking ahead and start planning and then start doing some more research and then do some more mapping stuff. And it's just a super cool tool to play with because you have all these three tools that just like complement each other and save you time. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, you can plan well in advance like you could you know i mean a lot of folks they're starting out with zero points they still have zero points right but you can use that tool and be like okay so what are some things that i can do every year and maybe it's just some otc options or something like that which actually i i love i yeah. love but then you're like okay cool i'm gonna do this I, you know i got my hunts planned for the next couple of years but you know in three years i'm gonna have three points and all the while you've been like you said do you know that over counter stuff yep so you don't need a lot of points to hunt the west and you can find these opportunities in every single state that allows you to look at colorado i can look at montana i can look at wyoming we, can, we cover everything from antelope all the way up to sheep. We even cover wolves. We cover black bear. Like, there's tons of opportunities. We cover it all on the filtering 2.0 and Insider. It's like you can find a hunt or you can find something in maybe like Oregon that might be hidden or you can, you can go to California and hunt in like July, you know? Like there's, there's opportunities all over the place to fit hunts in your calendar. Yep. And we just try to showcase that. Like, hey, if you want to hunt out there, like the thing I always like say too to people is like, okay, we all want to have a dream elk tag. Like I want to hunt something awesome, like bull screaming ever, very limited tags. Maybe I waited 15, 20 years to draw that. I'm fine waiting 15, 20 years. But if I've never hunted elk at all and draw this dream tag, I'm doing myself a disservice because I don't know how to call elk. I don't know how to work into a herd. I should have been picking up over-the-counter tags in the meantime to gain that experience for that dream tag later on. And that's what Insider can help you do besides planning planning an awesome dream hunt, but filling in in the meantime to gain experience. Yeah. I mean, I know for me personally, like I'd rather just go. In fact, I've got a few states where I keep, like my problem is I keep banking these points because I just keep getting points without like, because I'm just like, I don't know, I'm just going to do this over the counter <laughs> this year. Because you can just plan, you're like, yeah, I know I can do that. That sounds fun. I'm going to go do that. And like, yeah, I'll buy another point. And I'm like, God, I should use some of these one mm-hmm. of these days, which next year actually, speaking of using points, Ryan. Is it actually going to happen? Because I know what hunt you're talking about. Well, I'm not. So here's the deal. I was actually on Go Hunt. Using using the uh, you know the filtering tools and playing around with some other things, and if I think the conditions are going to line up, I actually want to burn a pile of points 
but really it's because I'm tired of having these points. And I think, yeah, I mean, probably a good opportunity to get a big one, right? Which would which would be cool. Like you mm-hmm. said, you kind of want, you have that like, oh man, I'd love to get a big one someday. Yep. But I also don't really care that much. And my end goal is actually because I found a little gem, I think, via Go Hunt. And it's something that I can do every year <laughs> instead yep. of waiting all this time. I'm like, yep. oh, forget, I, don't, I want to get rid of these damn things. Has it been a decade? Uh, yeah. Mark. The, the thing I always like to say too is, Points don't look on the wall. Look good on the wall. Points don't fill the freezer, so that's why I'd rather like get out and hunt and not sit on the bench every year. Like I, I have points, but I hate having points. Yeah. Like I will say it. It's kind of like a little secret too. But like all the mule deer tags I've drawn in the West, I've never drawn one with more than four points. Yeah. And I have tags every single year. I will not have points sitting around not being used. Yeah. Like you can always burn them on something, and have a good hunt. You don't have to wait for the trophy units of everything. Like go out there and just hunt hard. You figure it out. If that's where you can hunt a spot every single year and find those like hidden gems, you're gonna you're gonna kill a good buck or a good bull at some point. Like if you hunt every year and you learn it, learn how the animals react, know how the pressure reacts to the unit, like that's a gold mine. Well, I have a lot of points where you can hunt every year. That's my whole thing. It's time. It's been a decade. It's time, dude. Seriously, and and actually, he's, he's come downstairs. You'd be like, you know how many I have, because he knows it just like turns my blood pressure and anxiety up. That's why I think Gosh. the name of. The company I work for is a great. Just go hunt. Just go, man. And in, in the in, <laughs> I lo- I love that. I use that quote from Dumb and Dumber all the time. Just go, man. Kills me. Yeah. Just uh, truly uh, an amazing tool. I mean, you're just it's, like it's super fun to play with. You're uh, exactly like it's almost a hobby mm-hmm. in a way. Like it can eat up it can eat up some time, but it's good time. Yep. And you can even be like, yeah, I'm just curious. You know, like what's the best unit in Utah? You know, let's go 190 inch trophy potential on mule deer at this many points, like how long would it take me to draw? And you could like kind of like sit there and calculate it out. Cause my dad has a, uh, I think he has like 17 or 18 points right now for Colorado. And he keeps wanting like one of those like Northwest Colorado elk tags. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, man, I, I, you know, I can never draw that. And I, once I start working for going, I was like, dad, do you know how long it's going to be to you draw that? And he's like, no, he's like, do you know how the draw system works? He's like, no, it's like, well, that's why like go hunt exists to help you figure that out. So I calculated it out for him. I was like, dad, you need to switch your plan because you're technically not, if they allocate the same amount of tags, no one like jumps in his higher point level, everyone you know, lives out through their points and doesn't die, you're not going to draw that tag to you're 157 years old. That could be a problem. That could be a problem. You're never going to catch that point. Like You're never going to have that. So you have 16 years. Maybe you could have done something where you burned them at year eight and you could have gone on two quality hunts. So now he's like, you know, he's, he's born in 59, so he's getting older. He's like, I just got to burn these points and go. I'm like, yeah, got to dump them. Yeah. And there's a lot of tools on there to figure out how to like, you don't want to waste them all. You don't want to apply it for like a three point unit right now. We've been waiting that long, but like you can find your options out there and it's kind of just cool to jump in there and see how long it might take for a dream tag. If you're just getting into it, but also fill your hunts up with those OTC stuff or easy to draw stuff in the meantime. And it's just really cool to jump on there every now and then like, yeah, what's this, what's this hunt take? Or I'm going to dive in and look at a cow elk opportunity because I just want to fill my freezer this year. And I'm going to Colorado with some buddies. Can I pick up an cowbuck tag? Wow, I can. I can, you know, do all this stuff. It's like that's cool to see. Yeah, I mean, because like, you guys cover all the, you know, all the antler mm-hmm. antlerless options as well. And that's super popular. Like that was a cool thing we added. I think like three, four years ago now. But like people, we get all the time. Like, hey, I'm from California. I just want to. I just want to fill my freezer. Like, what are good options out there? Like, well, you can go cowbuck hunting every year in a bunch of these states, and it's just as fun. You're going to see some big bulls or just have a good time. It's and, the same hunt. Yeah. Yeah. You're still like getting an adventure, like especially if you do like an archery cow elk hunt, like you're gonna be in bulls all the time. It's like 
And then you could use that to scout at the same time, but for while you wait to like draw that, you know, there's all sorts of different strategies you can do. I mean, that is that's a cool strategy, for sure. Go have an awesome hunt. I mean, in some ways, like less pressure, mm-hmm. probably more opportunity, and uh, you're scouting for you know potentially if you can draw that unit yeah. someday. Gosh, elk hunting, the elk scout. I guess you're always scouting while you're hunting, but still though, like it's better than not being in that unit. Yep. You know, I don't know. I think also like these tools like i think oftentimes they they get thought of as like uh oh like if you're if you're an advanced hunter or if if you're like just hunting like tons of multiple states but there's a lot of there's a lot of new hunters or first time hunters and maybe they're only planning on hunting their home state mm-hmm. but you know the information that you guys compile and distill down in a very like usable manageable navigable way an amazing tool for the first time hunter. Like we just talked through like a ton of stuff. So I think probably on the surface for a first time hunter, they're like, whoa, dude, just like yeah. back <laughs> up a second. Right. But when you get in the tool, you're like, oh yeah, it just works. Like I just, you know, click here and it does this. And mm-hmm. you know, if I alter this or, you know, I'll change my, you know, whatever. Yeah. E- even when I lived in Montana, so I lived up in Northwest corner of Montana and looking at it now with all the information we have out there, I would have never hunted some of the places I hunted. Yeah. I got in animals, but like, figured out now like there's a lot more areas where i could have been way more successful and not taking so many like vacation days and had fun still like even in your home state you know like oh i always hunt here i always hunt in my backyard whatever like there's so much information that we can showcase you and help you maybe make a you know different decision or go try somewhere else just to you know switch up the adventure side of things or learn something new like like i said i would have hunted you know i would hunt jumped over and hunted idaho i was so close to the border but i didn't really know much about idaho because i didn't dive into the regulations Mm-hmm. until I moved to Idaho for a little bit and lived there. And I was like, wow, I, I could have been doing this. I could have hunted Montana every year and hunted Idaho every year. Gosh, I just wasted a bunch of years of my life. And it's always about years of your life. You don't have so much time to hunt, so much time to plan this. You know, yeah, it's a financial thing too, but like try to do it. Try to get out there. Yeah. Have yeah. fun. For sure. Yeah. The, the level of information, you know, what, you know, an- another state was just like, at least for me growing up, like just like a complete mystery. Like, unless maybe you like, took the initiative to write in and, hey, can you please send me your regulations book? Yeah. Like, you're, you're not going to know the draw deadlines. You're not going to know the units. Yeah, and that's an unfortunate now, even with as good as a lot of state game and fish agencies have gotten with information, it's still very difficult to weed through. Yeah. And if you've never done it, you don't understand any of it. It's not palatable. And having the access to this information at your fingertips, new hunter or old hunter. I mean, I, I hunt the same kind of states every year because I'm familiar with them. Mm-hmm. And why I don't branch out in other states, I can't actually answer the question other than analysis paralysis and anxiety of like, whoops, I should have gone here when yeah. I should have gone there. And, and having that available, I, when you're telling me that story about your pops, my, my dad's the same age and seems to be the exact same mentality. And I, I've told him for as many years as I've been hunting the West, like, you can do this every year if you're not hoping for a 380-inch bull. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of other opportunities out there. And, and for him, it's just, I think, it's a ton of information to get through in a non-sortable way if you're looking at the paper game and fish rags. Yep. Because, like, and even this, too, like with my dad, like we were talking about hunting with your father and stuff, like, I've been building him up points in Wyoming, mm-hmm. and I have you know, a lot more points than he does for antelope. So yeah. eventually we're just going to party up together and we'll average out my high points, his low points, and we'll go to a me- medium unit that has a little bit more public land. Yeah, I would like to burn my ton of points on a really, really good unit. But I want to hunt with my dad. If he doesn't have the points, I'm going to carry him into that unit and me and my dad can just go have fun and hunt together. It's yeah. like, 
I'm looking forward to that hunt a ton next year because now I'm at the point level and he's been building enough of points so we can still go to a good unit together and yeah. just share points. And it's like, you know, I might have even enough points to pull my brother into it too. So it's like, that stuff's super fun to know about because now I can get my family out there hunting based on my points because I'm okay burning them mm-hmm. and we all can go hunting together. And it's like, that makes it so much funner than me going out there. Yeah, I can go out solo and I love a solo grind and just beat my body into the ground. Like, yeah, an animal punt won't be a hard hunt in that sense but like right still i like hunting with my with my family and sharing those experiences with them sharing you know everything i've learned out west and just like soaking it all up and that's what we can do it together by knowing how the draw systems work to be able to get more tags in your pocket yeah mm-hmm. yep. well even something like that being able to average your points like there's probably some folks out there i'm sure there are like oh i didn't know you could do that you know and that's that's a real that's a really good tip and what you just said also just kind of goes back into like what you can do with with the go hunt tools is like what do you want that hunt to be like yep. what are you what are you looking for like mm-hmm. you're like oh, i've got all these points but i'd rather hunt with my family so i'm gonna know that i can average my points and then we'll put them for this unit as a party and you yep. know it's it's super powerful super powerful i did the same thing with my dad for a while i bought him points in a few different states and then after like two three years i'm like okay now look see it works you just you manage just lost the password lost his points <laughs> it's like it's like what are you doing yeah Oh, you you should have like a, a article on there on listening to your your young kids. And yeah, sometimes we're, sometimes <laughs> we're smart. What about because um, all these all these uh, now we're kind of getting into the points game a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna get to this new product, I swear. But there's a lot of deadlines. Yep, a lot of things to remember. Every state is different. Every you know, it seems like really you start at least for me you start with Alaska in December and then kind of throughout the spring tons of different deadlines. Some states have multiple deadlines where they do their you know their deer and elk at one time and or maybe their elk at one time and their you know deer and antelope at another time. You guys can help folks out with that as well, yeah. Yep. Yep. Every year I try to scour all the fishing game agencies way ahead of time. I try to release an article in like December that basically gives a rough idea of all these app deadlines that you need to know. Then as I get more information from states, I start modifying. But a lot of times I take this and base it on like, okay, Arizona releases their stuff on the second Tuesday on this time of month. So I'll know ahead of time before the regulations come out. So that gives you a good idea to plan of when you need to know like, okay, I need to do my Wyoming elk research right now because that's due when it's due and then next is Arizona and then just like keep planning through that in a big giant calendar by every single species by every species so you know look okay that that went through this is going to come through draw results are going to come up for this I'm possibly going to get my money back from Wyoming at this date I might want to roll that money from Wyoming into another state because obviously when you front money for states you like sometimes my wife would be like hey you're spending a lot of money on these apps I haven't got them back yet like oh like hey I got a plan I'm going to get it back if I don't draw and then like you can just know like how to work the system to keep working through that because there's a lot of dates and deadlines that sh- some people might not even know about like some of the over-the-counter stuff that pops up like we were talking earlier about the Idaho thing today like I just I knew today was the day that you can pick up a second deer tag in Idaho jumped on the computer knew exact time because I did an article on it the other week on Insider and that one that's an article that was only locked down to insiders because it's like some of the stuff I love you know giving out to everyone because like I love to help people at the same time, like some of this juicy stuff, I have to like, you know, lock it down to insiders only. Like you guys are, you know, our members and I want to give you the good stuff and not like tell everyone. So that's another perk of being it. Cause then you get access to these insider only pieces of content and that's going to help you know, case these other little hidden opportunities and gems. And it's just, again, trying to give back and showcase like, Hey, there's other ways to get a tag. Draw odds. We're not kind to you. Like here's an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, second draws, leftovers, tags get turned back in. Yep. Uh, I mean, just like there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of nuance 
to the tag game. Which kind of makes it confusing for some people, but it's like, that's why we try to cut the barriers down and showcase all of them. So you don't have to do the work. We'll do the work for you and showcase it all in a nice, clean format. You just got to follow it, look at what you want. Like, I'm only interested in elk. I'll read these elk articles from Go Hunt or I'm a mule deer guy. I want to dive into mule deer. Like, we have everything for everyone or just, you know, general gear stuff, backpacking things. Like, do a lot. I like it. Yes. Ryan, you got it. You got anything else? No, I'm excited now to, to get on there and, and play around with it. I'm, I'm a neophyte with the program, so it'll be, I think, very beneficial. I'm looking to break my cycles, too. I, I do the same thing pretty much every year. A couple wild cards here and there, and it's it's time it's time to start doing more exciting things. Just go. Go hunt, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, so we covered a lot of tags. We, t- we covered a lot of, you know, or, or some of the, the content you guys produce. You got your go hunt films, things like that. Yep. Uh, you can learn a lot from those. They're entertaining. Uh, you know, might inspire a person to go do something. You've got your great articles. So you've learned everything you need to know about hunting. Uh, you've, uh, you've used the go hunt tools, you've drawn the tag, but now, now guys, you need to find the animal. What's, what's a good way to do that? Pick up some good quality gear. <laughs> like that's a good spot to, you know, cut some ounces out of your backpack or also just pick up something that's going to make you more efficient hunter. Because again, it's all time-based. Like if you can use some certain tools that are going to make you more efficient in the field, you got in the go in gear shop. Now, would you say optics are one of those tools, Brady? I am a big optic guy, big, big optic guy. You can't kill what you can't find. Exactly. It's, it sounds very simple, but it's like you literally can't kill what you can't find. And if you're, you don't know glassing techniques or you don't know quality optics and you don't know how to work them, that's what scouting and getting out and trying these things. Cause like optics are like, cause yeah, there's also a million other ways to kill a deer. Like I'm a big mule deer guy. I know I could, you know, stalk in the timber, track deer, that sort of thing. But like, I'm going to gain an edge by using quality optics and sitting on them all the time and being able to glass from before showing up all the way through the whole entire day. Like there's no going back to camp. There's no taking a nap. It's sitting on the optics in the middle of the day, picking apart the shadows, glassing everything. Like that's where you're going to like work harder and be more successful because you're going to find an animal. And you can't do that unless you have, you know, quality. I'd say we concur. Yes. So with that, in front of us right now, we've got a new optic here. So this is this is the new... Here's the big reveal. This is the new Razer UHD 10 by 50. So we've, we've got we've got the UHD lineup. We, we've got the 8 by 42, the 10 by 42, the 12 the 12 by 50, and actually the 18 by 56. And this was just something that was missing in the lineup, and something Brady that you've gotten a chance to play with and hunt with quite a bit. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. I mean, several months you've been running this. I, thing. Yeah, I've been running these for a long time now on you know a bunch of coozer stuff bunch of um, you know mule deer things bunch of scouting I, I took these bear hunting in montana and then now through the whole summer like they're awesome like i said you can't kill what you can't find and quality optics sitting right here mount these bad boys on a tripod or even you know handhold them they're gonna be great for both of them and it's like i've been a huge fan of the uhd line everyone knows i love like 12 by 50s it's been my favorite and i have 10 by 50 now i can gather a little more light i can have a wider field of view for a lot of situations, that's going to be great. Like mm-hmm. bear hunting, when you know the stick canyons and stuff like that, like bears only come out last light, sometimes like early morning, like picking up stuff that I can see a little bit of stuff moving in the shadows because I got something that's going to pick up more light and I'm mounting on a tripod. I'm super steady and I'm just like glassing around looking for it. And it's like, that's why it's a sweet compliment to the already awesome UHD line. Like I love the 12s, but like now I have decision time, like 10s for 12s. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, you know, like you said, it depends on the hunt. And, and you know, of course, everybody's got a budget, right? You know, and, and of course, we're fortunate here because they're like, oh, I'm going over here. I'm going to take these. You know, I'm going over here. But, man, golly, it is nice to have, you know, multiple sets. Or if a person maybe is considering, uh, like, even a 10 by 42, like, oh, here's another thing to think about. You know, I, the whole year I've been using these, I kept thinking of these as like 10 by 42s on steroids. Yeah. To me, it's like, honestly, I would go these over 10 by 42. I mean, I think it's a great crossover mm-hmm. as well. Like if you're a guy from the Midwest, you're going to hunt around the Midwest the whole time, but you're also going to go out West. Like that's going to be the one, like, honestly, you have a 50 millimeter objective and power. I can scan a lot of good country with that mm-hmm. and have the, have the field of view as well. For And if a person is looking for a do-all, you know, a do-all kind of alpha class, top-tier Western hunting binocular, you'd probably be hard-pressed, you know? I mean, like, I carry a 10 by 42 a lot. Actually, probably in my life, I've probably carried a 10 by 42 the most. Um, and it's still a great configuration. It's not like, oh, we have a 10 by 50 now, never carry, you know. But this could give you an edge in, in some certain scenarios for sure. Ryan, what's what's your experience with 10 by 50s? Um, so we haven't had a heck of a lot of them in, in this range before. We've got the Razor HD 10 by 50 It's a legacy product. We've had that for a while. I would I would say that if you're looking at like the benefit versus detractor list, in this case, in the UHD line, and you are a Western hunter especially, there really is one detractor in that column, and it's just weight mm-hmm. and, and a loop size in there too. But you're picking up notable exit pupil gain, which is something that's not often thought about. And it really, when so you made mention of you're looking in shadows for a dark target mm-hmm. and it cannot be overstated what a brilliant image does for you when you're trying to pick apart landscape, especially for hours and hours and hours at a time. So you run down the list of attributes that make a UHD 1050 an extremely viable like one optic game because I'm a two optic guy. I'm an 842, 1250 guy. Mm-hmm. If if I could go back in time, I guess, and pare it all down and, and ask myself, why do I run an eight by 42? My answer is FOV and exit pupil. Well, I'm not really losing anything in the FOV line here. It's a whopping five feet shorter yeah. at a thousand yeah, yards than the 42 day. millimeter counterpart. If you, if you can notice that you're better yeah, than me. Right. Um, my exit pupils 0.8 larger, which is significant. Um, you, you know, when you start seeing over half a millimeter of exit pupil gain, um, you're, you're seeing tangible, literally seeing tangible advantage. And then as you go up in that objective size, just getting more visual information, in your eye, you're picking up more detail. You're picking up finite differences between, is that a burnt stump? Is that a black bear? If I, again, go back in time, if we had a 1050 on the list and I was going to pick between either having two optics or one, this is a phenomenal compromise. I don't think you're, you're losing a lot being two magnification less than a 12, um, especially if you're tripod mounted. Um, and, and you're not you're not really gaining a ton over the 8x42 and its advantages of FOV because, again, it's not that small of a discrepancy between the two of them uh, or that large of a discrepancy between the two of them, excuse me. Hell of an option. When you were talking, you guys both brought up the tripod, and that's one thing that I wanted to circle back to. And, and we've talked about it before, yeah. I mean, on probably multiple podcasts, but... I think some folks get into the mindset like, well, I mean, if I'm going to tripod glass with my binos, it's going to be, a, you know, 12 or a 15 or an 18. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, the, the, I definitely tripod glass with those models, but you're still going to be a way better glasser, you know, and you're going to have that field of view, right? Yep. So to me, it's all about being steady. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm steady and I don't feel my heartbeat, like when you sit in the glass and you're in the zone, like you're mentally there, you're not thinking about any other thoughts ever. You can feel you're like, 
heartbeat moving up and down. If you're like glassing with your elbows on your knees, just like hand holding it, you throw them on a tripod, rock steady. You're sitting there just panning around. Like you can see every little detail. I can just take it, loosen up the knob. I can like use my nose and like just pan really slowly back and forth. I'm going to be able to pick up a little bird flying in. Mm-hmm. If I can pick up a little bird flying in, I'm going to be able to see a deer ear twitch. Yep. Like, that's going to give away an animal right there. It's like being able to be steady and being able to glass and have optics that you can look through all day comfortably. Yeah. Like, that's a big thing as well. Like optical clarity and you're not going to get a headache. You're just going to be able to sit there and focus and pick out an animal. Like that's fun when you can like say like, oh, I see that little deer twitch and your friend's like, I don't see that. Like, well, I'm on a tripod right now. I'm zoned in. I'm not thinking about what I'm eating later that night. I'm mentally zoned in mm-hmm. on finding an animal, and I can pick out all those details on a tripod. Well, no matter what, when you're hand-held glassing, which I do a lot of as well, right? But like I always say, like you can spot movement because you're not moving. Yep. And then also just the fatigue factor. I glass, I glass more, more efficiently and like longer periods of time when I'm on a tripod because like I'm not getting tired. I'm not holding yeah. it up or I'm not like, oh, okay, I'm going to take a break. Oh, yeah, gonna you're not going to lean back on the mountain for a little bit and then you're just looking around and then if you have cell phone service, people are busting <laughs> out their stupid phones. <laughs> on there, like, get that out of here. We're hunting right now. Yeah. yeah, It's time to get the business. It is a completely different experience. And like Mark said, we talked about it a lot before, but it, it, it we kind of jokingly say it turns your eights into twelves, your tens into fifteens and your twelves into twenty fours. Like yeah. you, you just see more game period. And having the ability to, like, remove the body fatigue, the eye fatigue, and the movement out of the equation, and you're looking at a very detailed image that's extraordinarily stable, it, just do it. It's worth it. The adapters are not that expensive, and it's a completely different game when you get behind them. Um, excellent compliment to a tripod as well. Especially for, like, super long-distance glassing. Yeah. Like, sometimes, like... Even with these tens, I'll glass up that's two, three miles away. Like, yep. yeah, I might not be able to tell, you know, is that a four by four or is that a three by three buck? But like, I can tell there's deer up there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to pigeonhole myself and hiking into a basin. I can glass from really far away and just see the deer. I just want to know if there's deer up there, where they're at on the mountain range, are they in this little timber patch, that little timber patch. And then later I can loop around and get in more detailed stuff. But like, I can just see a bunch of terrain, figure out where they're at, and not have to waste all my scouting time or my hunting time. Like, I don't have time to dive in there. I want to take maybe half a day and just see the big picture class mm-hmm. long distance and just find animals on a tripod. I can do that. Hand holding. Uh, I'm not going to be able to see anything. You're going to get fatigued and tired and like, ah, oh, there's no deer here. Let's move. I, and I see that so often too, where folks will get up, they'll get into the glass. They'll do the quick little hand pan. They're like, ah, mm-hmm. we're done. It's like, well, yeah. stand by. Then I stand up and yeah. then boom, that deer jumps up and yeah. you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've told this story before, but I was hunting with some guys uh, out West and, and like great guys, but we got to this point and like, I set my backpack down and I, I'd gotten like one of my tripod legs out and like, okay, cool. Let's go. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know we'd started. And you know, and I also, God, now this is turning into the, the, you know, use a tripod podcast, but you know, this is good information. Everybody needs to hear this probably multiple times, particularly if you haven't done it yet, yeah. but you're thinking about it, you have to do it. I think, you know, we're, we're talking about like, oh, oftentimes like it's those higher powered binoculars, like, oh, that's what you put on a tripod. But I use it for a lot of, I, I guess I'd call it like my, my more intermediate glassing as well. Like uh, I was hunting blacktails in Western Washington. One of my, one of my passions just this last fall had the tripod and actually I did bring, I had 12. So I think I lent my brother my 10 by 42. So I had a set of 12 UHDs, which I was using on a tripod, glassing clear cuts, picking clear cuts apart, finding, finding deer. But uh, I was actually wishing that I had 10s, though, because it was kind of like that 
that two, three, four, five, six hundred yard mark, mm-hmm. which is so tough to glass with twelves on it. Like it, it was like, and it was that field of view. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I could pick it apart, but it was take. I mean, if I just I was like, oh, if I had that set of tens, I'd just be able to like just be way more efficient, see more. It's plenty of magnification to see what I need to see. So yeah, don't don't limit it to just long range stuff or or just uh, high powered binoculars. And I mean. That's where these these ten by fifties, man. I think they're just going to be real, real sweet binocular. I found a lot of bears with them this, this spring. A lot of bears. Let's so let's talk about a couple of the hunts. Um, maybe dive into those and, that you did use them on. Then yeah. So I, I took them on uh, a coosier hunt in Arizona, over the counter archery. Okay. And then uh, was unfortunately not successful. But I came to full draw. Oh. Uh, I came to full draw once at a buck uh, like thirty yards. And uh, of course, those things are so tiny. Yeah. And I was I was sitting in a, a little makeshift ground by with sticks looking this other way and all of a sudden I hear like water splashing and I'm like oh no and it's like early in the morning too so the thermals aren't stable all of a sudden I look over to my left there's literally the buck that trail because I was on with trail Kreitzer guy in our office who works in our Utah based office for insider team okay he had sat that water tank the day before and we'd been glassing it and stuff like that new bucks were coming in there's like man there's so many deer coming in there I'm actually going to go to a different tank even though there's a bunch of deer I just want to try a new area I'm like all right I'll sit there and then he, he never told me which way the deer were coming in, but they were all coming in that left direction. I'm like, <laughs> I should have set up right there. So I heard that buck like on the water. And I look over. I'm like, my gosh, how am I going to do this? I waited until he like, moved in front of this bunch of like, big dead trees that were in the pond. So he was like right behind there. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to come to full draw. I'm at full draw, and that tree is blocking his vitals completely. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, can I get around this? Can I get around this? And, uh, of course, the terminals weren't steady. Mm. And uh, he took like one step back, looked at me. And then bolted out of there, and then like end up walking around the pond, doing all this other stuff. And I was like, my gosh, if I would have known he was going to come that way, I could have probably seen him walking in. I could have right. came to full draw ahead of time, had a bunch of brush in the, like blocking it. And I was like, my gosh, I had a buck 30, 30 yards or 31 yards, and we've been grinding it all week with the bow over the counter. But like that hunt was super awesome because like early in the hunt, we were sitting up on these giant knobs just picking apart the train glassing, and I had these bad boys with. And like Coosier country, you know, it's giant, big, mm-hmm. but like these. I still used them on the tripod all the time, sitting there picking apart the terrain, picking apart the shadows. We're seeing a lot of bucks, but there's just like not the greatest terrain for like spot and stock hunting. Like we were seeing deer, but they were always moving and going up and over and we just, there was not a good opportunity for us to do it. So then we ended up sitting, sitting wild the rest of the time. But then I went another mule deer hunt after that in Arizona and uh, used it there. Glassed up a ton of deer too, but we didn't find the quality of bucks I wanted. So I was like, oh, I'm going to save my tag and I might actually go back this August now because I still have, it's a great thing about Arizona. It's a I can hunt in January. I can hunt it, you know, August part of September, and then I can turn around and hunt in December as long as those units are open. It's a great opportunity, phenomenal yep. thing, over the counter. Um, and then after that, I took it to uh, Montana, and that's where I really, I think, I I fell in love with it because there was like closer terrain, big thick, you know, jungle country, Montana, like giant mountains, and it's like like we said earlier, picking apart the shadows for black bear. Like, yeah, is that a stump or is that a black bear? I need to know. And just like really getting used to, you know, the power, the light ability, like gather a little bit more light because the exit pupil, like what is it, five? Five oh. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, what's it like uh, objective divided by power? Yep. 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 So like being able to sit there and pick apart everything with them. And I was like, man, you know, I, like I said, I love my 12s. But after using these now, like I said, they're, they're 10 by 42s on steroids. Like I can, I can see a, a bigger field of view. And I feel like the magnification, like we said, it's like a little bit more when you're on a tripod. And the light gathering ability is phenomenal. Like, we picked up a lot of bears, and both Neville, uh, Chris Neville, my coworker, does like the video stuff for Go Hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and I were both bear hunting. We both had them, and 
saw a ton of bears and it was super fun just like be able to use it for what I think the binos are meant to be used is just glassing either long distance or glassing super close and the canyons weren't you know it'd been too much for my 12s a lot of times we we're setting up trying to wait for a bear to come out and of course the freaking bears never bears will bears are everywhere but they're nowhere yes they're they're very random we had so many bears that were like all right he came up tonight we can't kill him because he's too far away we're gonna kill him tomorrow let's go there and sit there all day and then the bears never showed up <laughs> and they were like maybe he's an other every other day bear because it's a big bear and we was like yeah he's got to be in that dark timber patch we relocated, stopped backpack hunting, came in from a different way with our truck and hiked in. Like, all right, he's in every other day, bear. We're going to kill him today. And then now he never showed up again. Then we saw another bear like two miles away further. So it's like they're everywhere and they're nowhere and they're very random what they do. But that was a phenomenal hunt. Unfortunately, my, uh, not to throw my coworker on the bus, but he missed a big old bear on the last day. Like he's killed a, he shot a six foot four bear a couple years ago in Montana, which is a giant Montana bear. Like I mean, stupid big bear. That's that one that you guys filmed, right? Yep. It was that big, like cinnamon color face bear. Like unbelievable. Yeah. Go back and watch it. That was a good one. Yeah. So I, we were like holding the bear up and I'm six foot five and like literally the bear was as tall as I was from the ground all the way up. It's a giant, giant bear. And this bear that we found on the last, uh, second to last day of our hunt this year in Montana, I think dwarfed that bear. I think he was close to like that higher sixes. I don't want to say seven because that's a stupid number. But it was a big old bear. You can see him just walking around. Glassed him up on this logging road. Again, I had the 10s on the tripod, just like scanning country. I didn't think a bear would be coming out that early. We picked him up actually pretty early in the afternoon, just walking this logging road. And, uh, of course, it was raining, too, which added a little bit of difficulty to, like, you know, make sure we can see everything, especially in Digiscope, try to, like, track the impacts and stuff like that. Bear comes out, stops on this little tiny patch. We only have a very small shooting lane because there's so many trees everywhere. And we're like, all right, I know you can kill this bear right now. Takes a shot. Um, I'm like 10 feet to the left of him. So I'm like looking at it a little bit differently. I was like, oh, you were just like a little bit to the right. Like you were, and then bear runs off. I'm like, gosh, dang it. The bear's totally gone. He's like, no, it's coming right back. And the gun was still pointed there. The bear literally ran down the logging road, came all the way back to the exact green patch. Sat there at the exact same green patch again and started feeding, which was a tiny lane we had to shoot through. And I'm like, all right, hold one MOA left. You were just right. One MOA left, same elevation, crunch him. Does the same thing and hits almost the exact same spot. I'm like, what's what's the deal? And we thought it, we thought he hit it because like the bear reacted differently. Looked at the footage, put it on the computer later that night. Like, oh yeah, it kind of looks like he hit it. Kind of looks like he don't. We'll go in there in the morning, check it out. Hiked all the way around. We glassed the big canyon first in the morning. Didn't see the bear. Drove all around, located a spot where we could hike in. Hiked all the way in. Didn't find any blood. Searched for it forever. We came back up to the spot. We could, there was a little tree behind in the digiscope footage. You could see the tree wobble like that. Oh, yeah. And we like looked at where the, where the bear was and where the tree was. Like, yeah, he, the bear didn't hit that tree. It wasn't his like rump hitting it. And we looked down. There's two bullet holes in the bank, like way above where the bear would be. So actually, since I was a little bit to the left of him, I thought he was right, but he actually was over the top of the bear. Uh-huh. So that's why when I told him to go one, one M away, I might have said right there, one M away left the bullet holes were literally one MOA apart. And I was like, let's, let's see if we can dig these bullets out. And dug in the bank, found the bullets. No, no kidding. way. So it's kind of cool, but like yeah. there's no blood anywhere. Totally missed it. We shot high. We're like, oh. like cause it was hard because I did just go into the rain. Like I couldn't yeah. quite see the bullet trace coming in. And like, yeah. but it was like one of those things, like a giant bear. We had glass bears all week. We were looking for big bears. We could have killed a bear like early in the hunt. We just wanted a big, big bear. And that was a super fun hunt. But the second to last day, and he was up first this year because I killed the bear lat the year before and he didn't, and so I had like one more day to to, sh- to hunt. That was my turn, and then we saw that giant bear again the last night. It was at like a thousand two hundred yards, yep. 
and we couldn't get anywhere closer. There was no bears closer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this hunt's going to go away and I'm not going to kill a bear. But we saw so many bears. At one point we were like, we had seen more bears and we had ticks on us, which if you know spring bear hunting in the West, there's ticks everywhere. That like, seems impossible. Yeah. We're like, this is a gold mine. Like we hunted a spot I used to hunt in college quite a bit and like hadn't been there in 10 years. And like, it was so super cool. Like go back to it and see there's still bears there. But yeah, spring bear hunting, that's the game of optics. Yeah. Game of optics and game of patience. And there's a lot of luck involved in bear hunting. Like, they're not in the same place twice. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's a fun hunt, man. That's a super fun hunt. Because you get to test a bunch of gear. You're just, like, getting out there ahead of time. And, you you know, you might work on some of your food stuff. You might work on some of your backpacking gear. You might work on glassing techniques. It's a great starter to, mm-hmm. the, to the fall. Like, you you're feel like you're getting out there. You're, you're training a little bit at the same time. You're figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And bear hunting is what it is. You can make it as hard as you want, or you can make it kind of as easy as you want. Like there's so many different strategies for bear hunting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is the beauty of it for sure. And like you said, from a test standpoint, you can come off your fall, be like, oh, I want to switch this out or I want to get this new, you know, X item. And then that's really your first crack to use it in that real world scenario where you're going to actually figure those things out. You can go in like, I mean, I can't count the times where I'm like, oh, well, I think it's going to be like this and you actually use it. And it's different than that. And circling back to the information that you guys provide, you know, a lot of folks with a ton of experience, with a ton of different gear, you're writing reviews on these different things, and, and people can really glean a lot from those experiences that you're, on, you're only going to get if you're actually doing it. Yep. Um, now you're making me want to go bear hunting. I know. I'm listening to this. I didn't go this. I was going to go with the boys. I didn't. I love bear hunting so Man, I goofed much. up. I really wanted to do the whole, like, fat rendering thing and all that stuff this year. Like, I'm... Just like, so excited. I really want to get a fall bear now because yep. I still have my tag. So that's right. Yeah, that's a cool thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just a it's just a fun to get out. And that's why spring's great. And then just rolling in now to scouting season. You know, yeah. I've been out there scouting a ton. And a lot of people don't know that you can hunt almost year round. And actually, oh yeah. So you can hunt you can hunt bears into June in some states. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can start hunting NorCal in July. Mm-hmm. It's like you can you can do it twelve months a year if yep. you want. Yeah, you got like that January like yeah. over the counter stuff. You know, there's like over the counter odd ad. Yeah, like all year in New yep. Mexico. Yep. Like you can. Then June is bears, and you got California, and you got it just rolls right in. And you got August, you got antelope. Like if you want to be gone a lot, you can definitely hunt all year. I mean, my like wife soon found out about that. Like I thought hunting was only like the fall. It's for my job. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, now it's all year. But yeah. I mean, it it is. Cre- I mean, you really could do something. 12, Every month. 12 months out of the yeah. year. And, that, and that's big game. I mean, you're yeah. not even mm-hmm. talking about mixing in a little bit of small game or some waterfowl. Right. Or a little turkey action. A little, little right. turkey. Oh, my those gosh. Are the yeah. bon- those are the bonus hunts, but you want to hunt big critters. Yeah, all year. That's neat. Ha- I wouldn't consider- Havelina. Yep. Oh, Havelina is the best meat. And see, and that's another one that people talk down about. Pronghorn and, pronghorn and stink pigs, man. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's all about how you take care of it. I was just going to ask a question. Gosh darn it. Yeah, thinking about pronghorn and stink pigs. I was thinking about turkeys, and th- that isn't an ancillary hunt. That's like a, that's something that you actually should do. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. But Eric always gives me guff because he's like huge. Like Eric loves turkey hunters or turkey hunting, and he probably loves turkey hunters too. I don't know. Probably got lots of good friends that turkey hunt. But he's always giving me because I'm like, I'm always, I try to go bear, spring bear hunt every year because I love it so much. But I used to be really, really big in turkeys. And now I've slowly migrated away, and, like, I just love black bear hunting now. I think it's because a lot of times, like, when I lived in Montana, spring was when fish were spawning. So that's when I was busy, like, doing my fish work, because I worked for the United States Geological Survey doing much fish research. So, like, I didn't get a bear hunt as much. And since I left Montana, 
and now I live in Las Vegas, I'm like, my gosh, what did I like? I regret not spring barrel hunting every year. Now I just am addicted to it. I mean, if you've got the opportunity, like, I don't, we talk about it all the time, and I feel like it actually is getting super crazy popular, so I probably need to. Yeah, we need to tone it down a little bit. Shut my mouth. A yeah. But, um, go turkey hunting. Turkey hunting. Yeah, better. turkey hunters. Yeah. Or turkey hunt, yeah. Just, uh, just go do that. But you should do both. I mean, you really should. And the fall bear, I'm actually right now at press time trying to figure out some dates to do some fall bear hunting. Just same as you. Like, I've never shot a fall bear before. Yeah, neither have I. I've always been in the spring. And, uh, yeah, just want to, you know, not concerned about getting a big one. Just want to go. Mm-hmm. Just want to go opportunity hunt over the counter, yep. shoot a fall bear, pack some of that fat out, experiment with that. You know, maybe oil up my boots, maybe bake a pie. Who knows, right? There's lots of things you can do with that fat. So, <laughs> yeah, biscuits, man. <sighs> never had them. Bear biscuits, huh? Yeah, a little bit of bear, bear fat on there, a little grease. You can cook with it in many different ways. And you can spot that bear with your new Razor UHD 10x50s. Yep. There you go. Game changer. Yes. All right, Brady. Before uh, before we close it out here, got a couple couple questions for you. This is like, I mean, this is the real stuff. This is, you know, this is what we came here for. We're, yeah, we're going we're going deep. Okay. So, and we already we already kind of hit this one, but maybe we'll get the why behind it. So, your favorite your favorite animal to hunt and why? Easy mule deer all day every day. It's any, all any time of year, every year, mule deer. Why? I think it just comes down to the cool places mule deer take you. Like every day. I can wake up in the high country, open my tent up, look outside. It's like, wow, this place is gorgeous. I'm in the high country. I'm not down in the timber. I'm not in a place that I can't see anything. I can wake up and just like see country. Like it's meant to be seen. I can like sit up there on the ridge, watch deer, how they're meant to be watched, not like encroaching on them. I can just observe everything. And to me, it's like sheep and mountain goat hunting, but at a obtainable level. Like I'm up in these nasty places. I, I just love hunts where I have to struggle, where the weather's unpredictable. It could rain on me one day. It could snow on me one day. All the people might go back to camp. I kind of use that as my advantage and be like, I'm crazy. Like, to me, the colder, the nastier the weather and mule deer hunt, the better. Like, it's just fun to me to be like <laughs> up in the nasty stuff. And like the mule deer, like the places they live is just amazing. They can live at the highest, highest peaks. They can live above sheep. Or I could be down in sagebrush coolie country in Montana, chasing them around and like junipers, sagebrush. Like, that country to me is still gorgeous. Like just the way they act, the way they move around, the way they feed, how cagey they are, hiding in the timber, hiding in the shadows, the glassing game. Like that's why I love them. That's a lot of good reasons. Yeah. The, excellent. Excellent. Okay. I don't, think, I don't think there's another species out there. Just, just me there. They are the king. Yeah. King of deers. The monarchs of the mountain. This is kind of this can this can be a hot button topic or more of a, of a debate. Everybody's got their uh, their favorite. Your favorite hunting cartridge? Uh, three hundred Win Mag. Ooh, the Win Mag. And I might be moving towards a little bit towards the rum. I just started building a rum, mm-hmm. so I don't have any experience behind it yet. But like, I just love a big gun. To me, like growing up, my dad always you know I was big on reloading. My dad always made me like reload shotgun shells if I wanted to go shoot, and then he always had me reload a three hundred Win Mag. So I feel like I know a lot about the 300 Win Mag. Mm-hmm. I know how to work it and how to tweak it. And I shoot big bullets out of it. I shoot 215, 215 grain bullets. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like to me, it's like I know if I hit an animal, it's going to go down. Or if I know if I, somehow, you know, I practice all the time, reload all the time, but I make a little bit of mis- misjudgment and it hits it somewhere else, it's going to knock it down. Or So I, I'm not having to like chase an animal in the timber. I, I hate like ever having to deal with like, did I, did I kill it? Did I not? Whereas I know if I shoot this gun and I shoot it so much and you shoot a muzzle brake on it and you're just comfortable behind it, I don't feel a recoil. Like right. To me, like it's, yeah, it's definitely controversial, but like the bullet's already gone by the time I feel it. As long as I do my job 
and know everything about it, I'll sit there and I can I can watch the impact in my scope. Like my gun does not move. I shoot a little heavier gun than most, like 13 pounds. Oh wow! I, I backpack in with it. Like I like the weight behind it because to me a rifle all it serves is one thing to kill an animal. Like my glass is for glassing. Rifle is there to kill. So I want a platform that I know and trust, and that may be a little heavier than most, and maybe a little bigger caliber. Like I even shoot you know a 300 wind mag at antelope. When my dad's here, you know, in, in Minnesota, they shoot 300 wind mag at whitetails. My whole family shoots 300 wind mag. Like, I think that's the gun, like, we were meant to shoot, like, my family, because, like, it's all we do. And we, just, we know how to work it. And, like I said, it's just meant to kill an animal. So I want to be as fully confident in that as I can. And know it's, yeah, it's maybe overpowered for some things, but, like, it's going to get the job done. Yep. And I know it's just a great, it's fun to shoot. Well, and you're, and you're generally, or oftentimes, like, you're, like, a lightweight guy. Yeah, so that, that's which an- is very crazy to think about. Like, I, get, I got made fun of back in the day for being, oh, ultra light. I cut your toothbrush. You cut all the tags off your thing. You take the mountain house and take it out there and put it in a freeze-dried thing. Make your own little breakfast concoction so it has tons of calories. But I do that. You lightweight in certain areas so I can carry a heavier, you know, maybe heavier optic system. Because, again, you got to find animals to kill animals. And then the weapon has to kill something. Same thing with my bow. My bow weighs over 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like I have, you know, I shot a lot back in the day with 16 ounces on my back bar on my bow, like a full pound of weight on my back bar. So I want a stable platform. So I cut weight everywhere else. So I can take these tools to help me be more successful. It's like, it might be backwards. For a lot of people like you should cut weight everywhere. But then also you got to think about too. I carry a bunch of camera gear. Oh, wow. So yeah. like, like, you know, I have my own, you know, Sony camera that I carry that I love taking photos. You know, I love documenting everything, love showcasing my, my stuff with my family and, you know, other hunters and stuff like that. So I love taking photos. So I have lenses, I have a camera body, I have extra batteries. Like I have to try to be like geeky, lightweight on other things so I can carry optics and then carry camera gear and carry a rifle that does one job. So it's probably a long-winded answer. No, that's sound logic. I get passionate about mule deer and I get passionate about rifles. <laughs> I mean, and you bring up a good, I mean, gosh, Lee, I, I always forget about the camera gear. I mean, that's such an added, that's, I mean, that's I, a big I, add. I think I added up the other day when I did my big gear list for uh, my October mule deer hunt, and it's like five pounds of camera gear I carry. And I'm pretty basic. I carry like two lenses, a couple batteries, memory cards. It's like, that's added weight. You got to think about, too, you got, I got a little Arca Swiss tripod, you know, system underneath there. might work with this. Like, you had to add up all that little features. You got me- memory cards, memory card cases add weight. Like, all those little things go in my backpack. And so I got to weigh them all because at the end of that, I have to carry it. Like, no sense in not adding it to my gear list when I know I got to carry it and know I got to, like, yeah, it's really heavy right now, but building that gear list out, I can then figure out where I can maybe subtract things. And that's why, like, I like doing gear, li- gear lists way ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Start poking holes in my own gear. So I think my gear list is pretty good for my style, but, like, I know I could, like, yeah, I could cut weight there. Or I could maybe leave that jacket home or not carry 10 rounds of ammo. Maybe I can get by with six. Like, who knows? Just say weight here and there. God, I have a phobia of not having enough ammo. Yeah. You never know when you're going to fall, slip, and you sight on your rifle when you're up on the mountain. So That's what I'm always worried about. And then I'm like, oh, yep, I was, I used one. You know, hopefully, you know, which I guess that's the plan, right? Like, ultimately, that that, that is the best case scenario. You shouldn't be mad like, oh, I only used one. Um, or hopefully you hit. Okay, I like it. And do, do, you have the answer to the, do you have the answer to this question? How heavy are your arrows? Uh, 431.2 grains. He has the answer. Yes. Exactly. I've killed moose with that same setup. I've killed a mountain goat with that same mule deer, antelope. I was going to elk hunt, never killed an elk with my bow, but like I don't change anything when it comes to my my bow. It's like I know that works. It's not like extremely heavy. It's not extremely light. It just works. And I can tune it to any bow. Like literally, sometimes I use the same arrows for like four years if it's still good. Like I know that setup works. 
I know, like it's like it's like the 300 win mag. It's why I don't like switching. I know what it does. I know how to work that arrow. I know how to shoot that arrow, and it's still heavy enough to penetrate. If it penetrates a moose, and I can kill a moose with it. I can kill anything with it. I think there's always there's a lot to be said with that familiarity, whether it's a rifle or your bow or whatever. It's always it's uh, attractive. It's attractive to me to be like, oh, this is the new shiny. I want to use that, you know. But a lot to be said for just uh, knowing how something works. Multi or multi or single pin sight. Single pin always. Again, it comes down to precision. I always feel like you have more time than you think you do, especially on like a mule deer hunt. If I'm stalking in there, I want that single pin. I don't want a lot of clutter. I want to be able to single pin movable and just be able to dial into the exact yardage. Is it 48.7 yards? I want 48.7. I want that exact pin on the exact yardage. I need to do justice to that animal by not pin gapping. I don't like pin gapping. I don't like guessing games. My mind also doesn't like that. I like to know everything. It's like I'm sometimes I get target panic quite a bit because I'm so, trying to aim for perfection all the time. So to me, a single pin, no clutter, dial in, kill it. All right. Well, we'll we're, I've got an archery theme here. I don't know why. That's just the questions I wrote down. Uh, style of broadhead you're shooting right now. I, ooh, I gone back and forth a little bit. I used to be uh, fixed blade, went mechanical, went back fixed for a little bit, and now I'm all mechanical. Oh, really? Yeah. So I killed uh, my moose with a fixed blade. All my mule deer have been a mechanical, antelope's all mechanical. But I did um, lose a buck in 2015 with a fixed blade. It's Colorado, high country, deep, deep in there. Never been in the unit before, did a bunch of e-scouting, found a giant deer. We all think he was like 207. Oh. Just stupid big. Mm. Big, big velvet buck. And I went back to shooting fixed blades, you know? They work. So I was like, I'm going to use a fixed blade. I can't, I don't know if I can fully blame it on a broadhead. You know, I was like, yeah, it's, I didn't get penetration, didn't do this or that. But like, the thing that I messed up on, and I admit it, is buck was 51 yards. It was walking down this little, little steep-ass cliff, like steep, steep cliff. And there was already a buck bedded down below me at 40, a good deer, but I wanted this big deer because I worked all the way around there. The backside of this cliff was just nasty mountain goat terrain. So I got up on there, crept over to it. I knew he was coming over this way. I could see him. So he got 51 yards. I'm at full draw the whole time. I had just blown him out like an hour earlier, so I didn't want to like whistle out and stop him. And then he was just walking. But he was walking, and I touched a shot off. Never shot at a little moving animal, but he was walking. So I hit him far back. I hit him in the last rib. Okay. And blew right through him. As he was running away later on, uh, Lorenzo was on me that hunt. He's like, yeah, he's pouring blood. I was I'd pouring blood out. And I grabbed the, the arrow, had bone fragments on it, complete pasture. We saw the buck go in this little timber patch down below. I watched him from up top until I saw this nasty rainstorm coming. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to get off this mountain go back down. And... Uh, make a long story short i went back in there 27 hours later to look for the deer we had time to go in and look for him could have maybe kind of shot him we knew he was in the timber patch but never saw him leave he's gonna be there rained all night downpour mm. complete downpour like nasty downpour get all the way in there look around didn't find the deer anywhere we're like did the rain spook him out whatever also we're walking around and we jump a black bear and i'm like oh my gosh did this black bear like get really close to that deer last night spook him a little bit the deer's already you know hurting a little bit and then ran in somewhere deep and nasty and uh, I spent the next, like, three days gridding everything. I had my GPS on back in the day, tracks on, just gridding everything, trying to find it. Renzo trying to find it. My camera guy's like, that's the first animal I ever lost. And after that, it tore me up. Like, I didn't know, yeah, the deer was walking. Was it a fixed blade? If I had a big expandable, was that going to, you know, tear it up a little bit more? But, like, now I'm back on the old mechanical train. Like, I can't blame it on the broadhead. I can blame it on me. All the situations ended up where it was just a, you know, 
series of events, lightning storm, rainstorm, black bear. I didn't stop them. Like 51 yards to me, I can make that shot all day long. But like, yeah, I was a little bit far back. But then like we're back at camp and I was like, oh, hey, look at all those deer. Like this deer was shot really far back. This deer was shot high. Like we're going to find your deer using that little timber patch. It's like, I can't say what happened. Right. But it's just like, you always got to pick on it. And like, I don't know, maybe if I had a mechanical, maybe I would have killed that deer. Like who knows? But a lot of it is go back, trust your gut, yeah. do what feels right. So that just always hurt. I mean, it's like, nah, I, for mule deer, I can shoot a mechanical so well. Like I'll still tune them. I'm not just like going to throw it on there and not tune it, but like. I know they shoot well. I've killed so many animals with it. Might as well stick with what works. Mm-hmm. Instead of, again, trying to play around with stuff. Like, Go with what works. I like it. Well, and speaking of going with what works, uh, maybe somebody can try a set of these uh, UHD 10x50s and see if that works for them because I'm pretty confident they will. They work. Brady, thank you so much for all the great information and all, and all the work that you guys put into compiling that information so the rest of the hunters out there can you know enjoy their outdoor experiences to their fullest potential uh thanks for uh reviewing the 10 by 50s sounds like you had a lot of good experiences i had a lot uh, of fun with them like when you glass through them and look through them you're just like you can't help but smile when you look through something that's really quality and you know you got it and it's going to serve a great purpose it's like just makes me feel like, you know, any day could be successful because you have the right tools to be successful. Awesome, man. Well, good luck to you this fall. Good luck to everybody else this fall. And uh, if you got any questions about the UHDs or anything else, hit us up on any of our social platforms. Uh, this will be on YouTube as well, so you can kind of get a peek at those. And, uh, yeah, happy hunting, everybody. Bye. See you. See you. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button, give us a review, or leave a comment. We want to hear what you have to say. If you have a question or topic suggestion, let us know that as well via the Vortex Nation podcast YouTube page or any of Vortex's social platforms. That helps us cover exactly what you want to hear so we can provide the best information to help you with your hunting, shooting, and related activities, and ultimately enjoy them to their fullest potential. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.